All right. Well, good evening, guys. Well, uh, this evening we are going to be taking up in a new book. We are starting the book of First Peter, and uh, we'll actually be doing First Peter and Second Peter together as a book um, before we move on to the next series of, of scriptures. But so that that's where we are tonight. If you haven't already, turn over to First Peter. How do you how do you describe this book? You know what this book? It's another one of those short books. Um, a lot of these later epistles are, but we know it's written by uh, the Apostle Peter. Uh, that, that fact is, it's pretty solid, uh, canonly speaking, uh, extra-biblically speaking, church tradition, all these things. There are, there are some people that try to, like, oh, and the, the only real um, attack against this book being authored by Peter was uh, this concept that, you know what, what he's, the things that he speaks, the reflections of his heart are too in-depth, they're too uh, theologically sound, they're too um, just you know, thoughtful and insightful for a fisherman, so it can't possibly be the Apostle Peter. And then it's like, you know, but then you just kind of go, yeah, but he spent time with Jesus, and you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees noted that. You know, he, they, they didn't have letters, but he spent time with Jesus. So um, that, that's pretty much it. it it's, it's pretty easy to point this to the Apostle Peter. He even calls himself Peter, the Apostle of Jesus Christ, right in the intro. So it, it's a pretty easy one on that one. You, know, you, you have to be really desperate or trying to like really prove a point to, for yourself and you know, make yourself a, a reputation of something uh, to try to dispute that, but some people do. And um, it was written about 63 to 64 AD, and it was written, we're going to kind of get into who it was written to uh, in the actual body of the text, so I'm not going to spend some time quite yet on that. But like, just looking at the, the, the general overview of the book, like what's this book about? Like why did Peter write this book? And you know, you can go online, you can Google it, and you can find a whole bunch of different outlines uh, for this book on various, like, oh, you know, here's the different subcategories of this book. But, you know, a- a- as I was looking at it, because th- there's a lot of, like, heavy stuff in here, like, okay, you know, persecution's coming, suffering's coming, submission to government, that's a tough one right now, um, submission to uh, your husband, submission to uh, the elders of the church. Submit, like there's all these things. There's, there's, you know, there, there's hard things when pain and, and sorrows come. Like you know, he, he's going to deal with all of that kind of stuff. But what I noticed as I was looking, as I was meditating on this book, that Peter begins not with the pain and the suffering, not with the things that you're going to have to um, exercise you know, in your walk with Christ. But what he does, he points to Christ. He points to the promises of the Lord first. And then after he, he says all these incredible, amazing glories that you have in Christ, then he says, oh yeah, and by the way, you're going to suffer, you need to submit to people, you need to do this and this and this. And I was thinking about it, I was like, yeah, that's kind of interesting, the, just the way he did that, because I, I could kind of see this picture. I don't know if you guys have ever, you know, gone out on a really bright sunny day, and like the sun's just blaring in your eyes, and you're out there hanging out, and then you walk inside a, kind of a darker house, and what happens? Can you see anything? Can you see the dust that needs to be wiped up from your table? Can you see the mess that the kids left on the floor? Can you, it's like, no, you can't see anything. It's like all dark, right? It's just like, I can't see a thing where it's going, oh, kick something. Yeah, that's kind of the way it is. And when you look at Christ, when you look at the full glory of Jesus Christ, the promises that he has for you, then when the commandment to obedience comes, it's not really painful. It's like because everything else just kind of fades away and all you can see is the, the, that little shadow, you know, like the ghost image of the last image you saw out in that bright light. 
So what Peter's going to do, he's going to take you and he's going to make you focus in on the Lord Jesus Christ and his glory. And then that image is going to burn into your minds. So then he says, okay, and then you're going to do all these other things too. But hey, you know, in the light and the glory of Jesus Christ, that doesn't make any difference at all. It's not really painful at all. You know, we, we can say, oh, you know, Lord, I have to suffer for your name. You know, I, I shared with somebody at my work and, and, and they didn't like me anymore. And he's like, oh, you know, that is kind of a bummer, especially in our culture, because, you know, everything's about being accepted by, by other people, but, you know, toleration and things like that. And so, you know, that could kind of hurt our feelings. But in the reality, when you look at the glory of Christ, that he died on a cross to save you, that he has promised you an inheritance that is eternal in nature, where moth and rust will not corrupt or destroy, where thief will not break in and steal, that you are co-heirs with him for all eternity in his father's kingdom. Then you look at this little, uh, these people don't like me anymore, and you go like, so? So what? What, what does that mean? Who cares? So Peter's going to take us through a lot of neat stuff, actually. We're going to see the heart of somebody who is sold out for Christ, somebody who is broken in their lives before the Lord. And he's going to take us, he's going to walk us through all those things. But before he does that, he's going to bring us face first. He's going to, he's going to have us stare at the sun. He's going to have us stare at the Son of God. And that, that image of Christ is going to burn into our consciences. And so then when we look at these other things, we're going to be like, easy, no problem, no big deal. Cakewalk. Amen. Yes, Lord. So um, we're going we're gonna to read a, a whopping two verses this night. You like that? Um, uh, I was tempted to read only one verse, but I said, you know what? They're going to think I'm like John Corson or something if I only read one verse. So I'm going to read two verses so that you know that I'm more like, you know, maybe like more like a Joey Baran or something like that. But there's a lot in these two verses. There's a great deal packed in. And when you just look at verse three, the beginning, like three, four, and five are all one sentence. And within that one sentence, there is like so many theological things that I could like pick out. And pull, like, I, I could study them for a month easy, just the, the one sentence. So we're going to start with um, verses one and two. We're going to read them together. And then we're going to enter in and just kind of see what the Lord has for us in these verses. Join with me in first Peter chapter one, verse one. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace be multiplied. Father, Father, we thank you so much for this, your word. Lord, it is perfect. It is God-breathed. It is inspired. It was not written for men of long ago, but it was written for us this night. Lord, you have spoken these things across the ages. And Lord, they are as relevant today as they were 2,000 years ago. Lord, they have worth and meaning in our lives. For man has not changed. Though the environment, technologies, agriculture, things like that, all these things have changed and they seem like they've, like the things of the past are archaic and yet the human condition has not changed. We are still men, we are still women who are struggling with sin. We are men and women who struggle to lay ourselves down, to live for others, to love you, to have faith, to trust in you. 
and your word touches on all these things. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would be here among us, Lord, that you would speak, that we might hear, that your people might be built up, strengthened, edified, prepared for that which you have for us today, tomorrow, and in the future. Build us up, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I couldn't help it. As I was reading through uh, these couple verses, um, I got stuck on like the very first statement, the very first phrase. And I sat there and just was kind of like, you know, I like to tell you that I was like geeking out on stuff and I do that quite often, but God's word's like that. And I was totally geeking out on this first phrase because it is so appropriate to, you know, this is the first study of the new year, right? And look what it, look what it said right here. It says, Peter an apostle of Jesus Christ. Isn't that heavy? You're like, some of you are kind of looking at me blankly, like, what are you talking about, pastor? That's his name. It's more than that. It's more than that. What did everybody do on December 31st at about 11.59, coming midnight? What did they start thinking about? What did they start talking about? Hey, this year, this year, I'm going to do this. I'm going to lose 15 pounds, right? I'm going to go do this. I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to do this. I'm going I'm to be a better parent. I'm going to be a, a better citizen. I'm going to be a better husband, a better wife, a better kid. You know, everybody started making their New Year's resolutions, right? They said, okay, you know what? This is where I want to be, right? This is where I want to go. That's the target. But you know what? How many of those resolutions ever get fulfilled? Nada. Right? It, like, there's always the grand intentions, but it always, it's always like, well, we still have a lot of leftovers from Christmas, so, you know, next week I'll start. And then next week comes along, and then it's like, oh, but, you know, we're having people over, so then next week we'll start. And, and then there's always something, and it's like, then you find yourself in 2013 at, on December 31st at 1159, making the same resolution that you made a year ago. Right, and, and that's something that happens all the time. Literally millions of people start thinking about the things that they want to change and what, where they want to go. But unfortunately, the problem that uh, they don't really have a reference point of where they are to begin with. And so it's very difficult to find, it's, it's very difficult to navigate where you want to be and where you want to go when you don't really have a starting point. You know, with your weight, it's like, okay, well, I weigh this much and I want to weigh this much. That's fine. But when, you know, a lot of people think on things a lot deeper than that. They start thinking about who they are, who, you know, their character, and, and the kind of person that they want to be, but they have no frame of reference on where they are and who they are in order to get where they really want to be. Because most people won't deal with the fact that we do have a sin nature, that we are selfish, that we are greedy, that we don't, you know, we, we don't do the things that we ought to do. So they think, I'm basically a good person, and then their New Year's resolution is, I want to be a better person, but they already think that they're a good person, and so there's no way to really, like, what do I do? I don't really change, I don't have to change anything. I'm already, you know, God's gift to women. I'm already, you know, the, the best wife, you know, on the face of the planet. So it's like, you know, every time we have an argument, it's obviously it's his fault, right? It's not me. It's him. Lord, it's this man you gave me. You know, it's like, so there, there's, there, because we don't really, you know, have an a place of reference of like where we are now, it's very difficult for us to make those new year resolutions come to pass. And th think about what Peter is saying right now. Because one of the age-old questions that has burned in the hearts of men ever since the fall is, who am I and why am I here? Right? 
Who am I and why am I here? And you know, this this is a a very appropriate um, thing. Look what Peter says. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Right? In this very short little phrase, he has the answer of the age-old question. He speaks it with authority, with confidence. He knows. He has the frame of reference of who he is and why he is here. He says, I am Peter. Now, every single one of us was given a name at our birth, right? We got the little birth certificate that says so. And yet, Peter, is this his name? Was this the name that his father uh, Jonah gave him? No, his name was Simon. That's a name that means hearing. That's what Simon means. And that, that was the name that he was given. That was the old man. That was, that, that was Simon, the fisherman. That was Simon, the man who lacked faith. The man who, when he saw Jesus do that miracle, bringing in the fish, he said, away from me, my Lord, I am an unclean man. Right? That was Simon. But then, who, who does he identify with? Does he say, hey, it's me, Simon. An apostle of Jesus Christ. No. Peter. Petros. A stone. He says, that's the name that Jesus gave him. Now, you know, you might think, oh, you know, Christ was just kind of being fun. It was like his boy's nickname kind of a thing. You know, like, like Bryson calls me Pastor B. I call him Bry because we're both Bry, son, Brian. You know, it's like, so, you know, I'm B and he's Bry. You know, and it's like, okay, that's our little nicknames. But like, Jesus, you know, called like John and his brother, the sons of thunder. And then he called Peter, you know, he called Simon Peter. Like he had like these nicknames uh, for his disciples. And notice this, that Peter takes that nickname. He, he takes this new name and he now identifies himself with it. He is no longer Simon the fisherman. He is no longer that man who fished the Sea of Galilee with his dad and probably with his grandfather and, and, and all of his, you know, relatives before him. You know, he, he no longer identifies with that person. That person is no longer there. Now, you know, my mom and dad, you know, on, on my birth certificate, they called me Brian, right? Brian Joshua Jameson, I'm a Brian, and that's like the Irish way, and it means bold, uh, bold leader. Now, like, you sit there and you look at that, and it's like, okay, am I Brian? Am I that Brian that was named on March 11th, 1975? I hope not. I hope not because that man died. That man was crucified with Christ in 1999. That man's dead. He no longer exists. He's dead. Praise the Lord. Okay, but who am I today? Because the Lord Jesus Christ called me in 1999, he spoke to me. He, he revealed to me my own sinful condition and I broke before him. And he called me to himself and he saved me, he redeemed me and he brought me forward and he began to change my life. Right? I, I was no longer that Brian. I was no longer the Brian who was all about himself, liked to make people laugh, but was extremely selfish. It was very crude and, you know, just all in all, not a very nice person who dabbled in witchcraft and, and things like that, transcendental meditation, Eastern philosophies, world religions, you know, that same guy. Yeah, that, that guy is, is what he called me from, and that man was buried with Christ, and a new man arose. A new man arose. 
And he says, on the day of my salvation, the Lord gave a gift, just like with every single one of us. When we give our hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, as promised, comes and enters into us, and he dwells within us. And in that moment, do you know that you guys all have spiritual gifts? Every single one of you, if you have named the name of Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, the Son of God who died for your sins, then you, you have a gift from the Holy Spirit, if not multiple gifts from the Holy Spirit. Okay, what does Peter say? He doesn't just stop at Peter. Okay, that's the name that Christ gave him. But he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now we think of apostles like, oh, that means he was one of the, the first dudes, right? One of the first 12 disciples. Do you know that apostle is actually a spiritual gift? Right, there's lots of things. There's, um, there's tongues. A lot of people are very familiar with tongues. There's uh, interpretations of tongues. There's uh, pastor. There's teacher. Some people say those things are actually one and the same. Um, whatever. It's, there, there are different words on the list, so it's okay. You know, there, there's, um, there's lots of different things. There's prophecy. There's gifts of healings. There's strange miracles. There's all sorts of different things that, that people are uh, bestowed with in the scriptures as a gifting of the Holy Spirit for the purpose of building up the church. Okay, that's why we're given these gifts. But now listen, so Peter, first he says, he gives the name that Christ gave him. That's first and foremost. The, you know, that, that's the kind of the frame of reference. My life changed when I met Christ. Okay, and then from there, now he says, he, he's giving you the purpose of his life because again, the spiritual gifts are given that we might edify, that we might build up one another. They're not for my sake. I'm not a pastor to like, oh, Brian, you're so smart. Look at you, like you teach the Bible really well. It's not for me. God gave me the gift of pastor so I can minister to you. But you know what? A lot of you have like the gift of encouragement or a gift of mercy or you know, different giftings. And those, though they're to help everybody else, they also help me. They minister to me. They encourage me. See, we, we are all part of the same body and we are given these gifts to build one another up, to strengthen one another. And now here's the thing. Peter, why is he here? He's, now, first of all, the who am I? Right? Who am I? And he says, Peter, I am the man who was named in Christ that's who I am. That's his frame of reference. And he says, why am I here? Well, this is why he's here. He is an apostle. He is an apostle. That was the gifting that was given to him on the day of his salvation. God, Jesus said, you are my apostles. You're my sent ones that I'm sending out. But when the, when the Holy Spirit came and fell up, remember Jesus breathed on them first. And then at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon them in power, right? You, these were his giftings. These were his giftings, and that is his identity. That is what defines him. So this evening, who are you? Who are you? Can you say with authority, like Peter right here, can you say, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ? Can you say it? Do you know who you are? Can you say, this is who I am? And then, like Peter, can you say, this is why I exist. This is what defines me. This is why I am here on the face of the earth in this January 2nd, 2013. Do you know why you're here? Do you know what God has blessed you with? Do you know the plan and the purpose that he has for you? Because, guys, listen to me. Unless you are in the grave, you still have a purpose here tonight. You still have, God has a plan for your life. And if you're just like, oh, no, 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 no. I actually had a friend. I've shared this before, but that, that was at the beginning of this church. I'm going to tell you about my friend. He's actually been here once. 
and we were in uh, missions class together in Bible college. He was older than me. I won't say he's an old guy. He's older than me. And we were in this missions class and, and he always kind of, yeah, missions. That's for young men. That's for young men. You know, like I'm, I'm retired. And he kind of has a way of saying, I'm retired and, and my wife and, and my knees are bad, right? Yeah, missions are for you young kids. And then one day, this couple came in because every class there was a new missionary that would come and share. And Michael's mouth dropped open when he saw this couple come in because they were about 80 years old. And this guy, you know, he, he had his cane and he was doubled over like this. The, 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 the lady was just this really frail. She had, you know, completely white hair and she had the great big glasses on. And, and she was just the most adorable, beautiful woman you ever saw. And, and they come walking in, both of them, like this. You know, walk straight across the room, you know, like without, you know, having to just stop and like, you know, rest for a second and then get back to the room. Like they were, they were like literally like, like mid-80s to almost 90. Okay, they, 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 were, they were there. Do you know what, what their missions work was? They were smuggling Bibles into China for the underground church. Every single, I'm serious, every single year, what they would do, they, they would get a whole suitcase and they'd fill them with Bibles and then you know, this little unassuming couple would walk right through security, right into China. Hey, how you doing, Sonny? And they would walk right in and nobody would stop them and they would go straight to the underground illegal church and give them the Bibles. Well, you, you have to, you know, my, my friend was just like, all right, Lord, I'm going to China. And he did for two years. He did. You know, and so, but uh, the point of that story is like, you know what, guys? Every single one of us has a purpose. Now, you may be a missionary. You may be an evangelist. You may be somebody who has the gift of hospitality, a gift of mercy. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what your gifts are, but we can find out together. But here's the thing. You need to be able to say, you should be able to say, I fill in the blank and fill in the blank for Jesus Christ, right? We all need to be able to say that. We need to have that sense of this is who I am. Now, you know, you guys know Trinity. What was Trinity's mark? Calvary, right? The three crosses. My girls to this day, to this day, when they see a picture of Calvary, when they see three crosses, they don't say, oh, look, Calvary. They say, look, that's Trinity's mark. Right, because that is what defined her. You know, when you think of Trinity, you think of, you don't think of like a crazy little girl who runs around, which she did do that too. But it's like, you, you think of the evangelist, you think of you know, this little girl who loved to share her faith, this girl who had no fear of death. Right, that's what defined her. So now, as we look at this introduction of Peter, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, on January 2nd, 2013, I want to ask you guys, what defines you? Who are you? You need to be able to answer that. You know, are, are you just somebody who's like, ah, you know what? I go to church because you know, my parents make me go to church. You know, I, I kind of hang out. I like to goof around. I like to play you know, DS and iPad, and, and, and I like to do those things. And, and going to church is fine. There's cool people there that I get to hang out with. Or, you know, hey, you know, I, I just go to church because it's a, it's a social gathering. It's something to do. Or, hey, you know what? I, I've always gone to church, so I'm going to keep going to church. I, I've been you know, going to church my entire life, and, and far be it from me not to keep going to church for the rest of my life. Is that what defines you? Is that who you are? 
Is that really what it means to be a Christian? I don't think so. I don't think so. I can stand here tonight and I can say, Brian, a pastor of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, I know that's who I am. I know that's what I've been called to do. One of the reasons is by the way it happened. Because I didn't make it happen. The Lord brought me here. He brought me into this place. And you know what? There is great comfort and strength in that. Especially when the devil comes knocking on, on my door. Oh, you're a failure. Oh, you're a hypocrite. Oh, you're a, He likes to accuse you of a lot of stuff, doesn't he? But you know what? I can say, I can sit there and, and when the devil comes knocking at my door and he's got his laundry list of stuff, you know what I say? Amen. You're right, dude. You are absolutely right. But you know what? Christ chose me anyway. He brought me here. He opened the door that no one could close. And he called me to walk through it. And so I did. And here I am. So, guys, who are you? Why are you here? What's your place in the body of Christ? Are you an ear? Are you an eye? Are you a nose, a mouth, a foot, a hand? What are you? Who are you? Because you all have a purpose. Every single one of you. Every single one of you. He continues on. You can see why I, I kind of geeked out on this verse, huh? There's a lot there. He, all he did is give his name. That's like the my name is. That's, that's what I love about the word of God. Okay, so then he says, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Okay, now, this is where, remember how I, I kind of told you when I was just kind of giving you the overview of the book. The whole, like, who is this letter written to? Because this is where the, the commentators do kind of go back and forth. They say, oh, no, 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 this is to the Jews. See, the apostle Paul, he was the, the apostle to the Gentiles. Peter, he was the apostle to the Jews. And then he's talking about to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontius. So obviously he's talking about the people that were dispersed. It, it, you remember when, when Saul of Tarsus came along, he started the persecutions and he drove the Jews out of um, Jerusalem and, and the, the, that area. And, and they all kind of got scattered out like little coals and they started lighting fires all over the place uh the fire of jesus christ that is and so so some commentators say no 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 these this is a letter that is specifically speaking to jewish believers who are now finding themselves among the gentiles they're they're among the hellenists and things like that and then others say whoa 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 hold on a second um no this is obviously you're talking the the area that um he's speaking to the people and these are people that are in basically asia minor so if you go from uh, the sea of galilee and you head north up to where the black sea is just below the, the Black Sea, there's a little section, and all of these places are found right there, okay? So, so there's like this argument going back and forth on who this is to, but as I was looking on this, it's like, you know what? Um, I, I think you can like split hairs on like, okay, is this to the Jews? Is this to the Greeks? Um, but I think when you actually look at just like the wording itself, it, it actually makes a lot of sense on who this is to. I, I think Peter is actually speaking in more of a spiritual reference towards all believers in the Lord Jesus Christ because of um, what these things mean. So it says, to the strangers, or to if you have the King James Version, if you have the New King James uh, or Modern Translation, it says the pilgrims. Well, that word, it, it basically, this word pilgrim or strangers, basically it means close to or near a stranger. Okay, so like you think, okay, th- those are the two root words of this Greek word. They come together and it means close to a stranger. 
near to a stranger. And the, the, the basic idea of this um, word, it means a stranger, a sojourner, somebody who draws near to a people who are not familiar to him, that it's not simply one who is passing through, but a foreigner who has settled down, however briefly, next to or among the native people. Okay, that's what this word means. So it's not, you know, a, a lot of times uh, in our Christian walk, we like to say, hey man, I'm just a pilgrim. You know, light touch on this world and I'm just passing through. That's not exactly what we are. Because we are, you know, Jesus, when he prayed for us, you know, he didn't pray that God would take us out of this world, but that he would protect us in the world, right? And so we are pilgrims in the sense that we have settled down in this world, though we are not of this world, we are camped next to, you know, th- these people who are strangers. Now, how many of you guys have strangers in your own family? <laughs> Absolutely. Guys, I mean, I mean, think about it. So he's talking about, he's talking about the pilgrims, those who, and then this word dispersion, or in your King James, it's scattered, right? What that means is people who are just basically scattered about. It literally just means just like that. It's translated exactly the way, you know, that's the only way it can really be translated. It means scattered. So you have people who are living in or among people who are of a, you know, not of their own. And you're just kind of, you're scattered all throughout these people. You're, you're kind of peppered through all of these people that you don't quite belong with. Remember the wheat and the tares that we were going with on Sunday, right? You're, you're scattered. They're all together. You're all mixed in together. And you know, those of you who do have strangers in your own family, you, know, you realize that you as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, even though you may have somebody who is your absolute blood, your, your next of kin, like you know, these people are people that you, know, you grew up with your entire life, and yet you can come to church and have a greater camaraderie, a greater understanding, a greater acceptance, a, a, a tighter bond of fellowship, and fidelity to a person in this church than you do somebody from your own family. Amen? Why is that? Because you are not of this world. And oftentimes, that person who you are struggling with, if they are not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, they are of this world. And it's like, you know, light and darkness cannot have fellowship one with another. It just doesn't work. And so he's like, you know, here is Peter, the apostle of Jesus Christ, and he's speaking to all of us He's speaking to every single one of us who is just, you know, here we, we find ourselves, you know, here in 2013, you know, I, I'm with my family, uh, I'm with the people that I work with, I, I, you know, I, I'm, you know, going out and trying to share the gospel with people, I'm running into people, and, and I find myself, it's like, you know what, I don't really belong here. You know, I, I look at the world, I look at the movies, I look at, you know, I, I look at the commercials, I look at the advertising, it's like, you know what, I don't belong here. I don't belong here. This isn't my home. I, I am pretty patriotic for my generation, but you know what? I'm not an American. I am by birth. I'm a citizen, but you know what? I'm a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who I am. I'm a monarchist, right? Uh, I have a king, and he is coming. He is coming. But you know, I, I remember... Even as a kid, it was kind of funny. Even as a kid, now this was before I was saved. This was before I knew Jesus Christ at all, other than just by as a cuss word. Um, you know, in, in that time of my life, I always, you know, I, I used to, I, I should have been a scientist actually, um, because I believed it's like, you know what? Maybe I'm really like like aliens dropped me off because I don't feel like I belong. And I, my my vain imagination would going on, and you know, the aliens they. they <laughs> They're, they're the ones, you know, because, you know, scientists are now saying that, you know, there, there is proof of a flood, 
but the whole concept of Noah's Ark is ridiculous. What really, now you think I'm joking. I'm not joking. This is serious science, okay? What really happened was that aliens came down and they took genetic samples of all the different animals and they put them in a containment unit. And then after the flood happened, they came back and they took the genetic material and then they repopulated the earth. That's what really happened. Aren't they getting desperate? <laughs> it's, it tickles me, really. But that is an honest-to-goodness, legitimate, scientific, this is what we believe, this is the theory of how to explain this. <laughs> okay. Well, I should have been a scientist because, you know, in, in my younger days, like, I knew I didn't belong. There was this sense in me, I knew I don't belong here. This is not my home. I don't know why, but I just feel like I am a stranger in this place. What I didn't know is that it was the Holy Spirit telling me, you don't belong here, Brian. You don't belong here. This is not what I have for you. This is not who you are. I didn't know it until I was an adult, until I was a married man. But, you know, but there there'd always been that sense in my life that, you know what, I don't belong here. Anybody else ever here have that feeling? Like, you're just like, yeah, you know what? This just isn't me. And, you know, I, I know people, I, I know Christians who it's like, you know, th- their desire is like, yeah, you know what, heaven's going to be great one day, but you know what, uh, you know, I, 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 I want to stay here. I want to stay here. You know, th- there's too much for me to do. There's, there's too much, you know, th- this is too good. This is too good. I, I don't want to miss out on anything. And it's just like, really? <laughs> this? Really? Compared to heaven? We're talking about the right thing, right? Earth, heaven. You choose earth? Hmm. Kind of, kind of, I, I was a brand new Christian when I was talking to him, but um, it kind of weirded me out then too. I was like, you're kidding. Huh, okay, well, whatever floats your boat. You know, I'm still praying for the rapture, <laughs> you know, <laughs> especially before dating. Um, but guys, you know, that's what we are. We're strangers. You know, we have settled down in this land among people. Jesus said it a different way. He says, behold, I send you out as sheep among wolves. I send you out as sheep among wolves. Now, anybody happen to forget what wolves eat? You make a nice sandwich, mutton sandwich. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> and, and yet he's like, that's who I send you out among. You know, but that's not who you are. You're a stranger. You're a pilgrim in this place. And that's who he's speaking to. So th- this letter, I believe, you know, it's like you can try to split hairs, always oh, talking to the Jews. It's like, come on. You know, you know, even in, in this time in 64 AD, you know, there was Gentiles and Jews in, in all the same churches. They didn't have like a Jewish parking section and a Gentile parking section. They all came together. And you, know, and you had the Hellenists and all that. And, you know, the, the middle wall of partition had been taken down. You know, the boundaries between Jew and Gentile were being erased. Right, so it's like, who, who is he talking to? I, I think it's, it's a useless debate. And it's, it's that unprofitable um, arguing that Paul talks about elsewhere in Scripture. Yeah, so it's like, you know what? Who is this letter to? This letter's to you. This letter's to me. Because we are all pilgrims in this place. We are not of this world. And then he gets into verse 2. Uh, there, there's you know, a couple big things here. Okay, so number one is Election. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Foreknowledge, there's another one. Um, sanctification, obedience, and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. And then you finish it up with grace and peace. Wow. 
I, I can do like a study on each one of those topics easily. I can do four-part studies on each of those topics, but I'm not going to do that to you tonight because you'll all fall asleep if I do that. So l- let me just touch on these. A- elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. What does that mean? Well, we just had an election, right? So what, what did we as the United States do? We chose someone, right? We, <laughs> come on, be nice. Peter's, Peter's going to address this, submit to the government, right? So, hey, I'm sorry. It didn't go my way either, but still, we got to submit, okay? But now listen, we elect officials. God elects his family members. He elects those whom he is going to save. And now listen, so you are chosen. You are, you are elected, and that word according, um, it's translated both ways in the Old King James and the New King James. But that word according, it actually has motion to it. It has direction. And it literally means that word that is translated according, it means coming down from. Okay, so you are chosen. Your election comes down to you from the foreknowledge of God the Father. See, there, there's, there's, a, there's a direction. God according to his foreknowledge, coming down from his infinite knowledge, comes to you, and he has chosen you. Okay? So, some people will argue with you, oh, foreknowledge, you know what, here, here, here's the big thing. This, uh, this concept of election, you know, Peter didn't take, like, huge paragraphs and order it. It's one thing, in, it's one of, like, five things in one sentence. And that's about the, the amount that you really need to focus on that, Okay? Now, some people try to make a really big deal about this whole election thing. You don't need to worry about it all that much. Listen, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you abide in him? Is he your savior? Then guess what? You're elected, right? And that came down from God's foreknowledge. And it's like, okay, what part of God's brain, infinite brain, did your election come from? What a useless and idiotic debate that is. How can we separate where God, what part of God he used to choose you? In the end, he knew. According to his foreknowledge, he knew you. He, he, he knew you because remember on the wheat and the tares, there was the whole of humanity, all of the good seed laid out in one field and he looked upon it all. And he said, at the end of the age, my angels are going to separate the good from the bad. Bad's going to go in the fire. The good's going to go into the barn, right? You're going to go into heaven. Right, God, in whatever capacity an infinite being understands and knows and makes decisions, here's the thing. If you are in Christ tonight, he chose you. Amen. End of subject. Pretty cool, huh? Easy, easy. There, there, you know, there's literally whole huge commentaries and huge chapters in, in theological books covering that subject. And you know what? In the Bible, there's like seven verses that cover that. And this is like the most detailed of all of them. Okay. It's not that big of a deal, guys. Just, just know, if you're in Christ, you're abiding in Christ, you have been elected. Is that enough? Is that clear? Good, right? Easy. Let's move on. I'm glad to move on, okay? Um, second, it says, in sanctific- sanct- sanctification of the Spirit. Okay, when were you sanctified? What does sanctification mean? That's one of those kind of Christianese words. If, you're not, if you haven't been in like a Bible teaching, like verse by verse thing, you might not know what sanctification means. I always kind of describe it with a very disgusting but colorful illustration. Uh, in our house, we have a sanctified bowl, okay? It's a Tupperware bowl. It's a Vatsa bowl. That's one of those great big ones. And that bowl is used. It's set apart. It's sanctified for one purpose and one person only, or one purpose only. When our kids get sick, 
You put the bowl next to him and blah, right into the bowl. Okay, that bowl is set apart. It is, it is very special for that. If you came over to my house and you saw us serving you a salad out of a thatza bowl, you might go, is that the bowl? No, 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 we have two. <laughs> and nary the twain show meat. They are kept in totally different places. Okay, you don't have to worry about that. But that's a very colorful illustration. I'm sure you'll never think of Tupperware the same again. But Listen, that's what sanctification is. Sanctification is you being set apart for an intended purpose, right? It is you, you have been sanctified. You have been set apart. You are now holy for one intended purpose. For Peter, it was to be an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. For you, I don't know. But the day of your salvation was the day that you were sanctified by the Holy Spirit when he came and entered into your heart. That day you were sanctified for the Lord. You became a bond servant, a willing slave to the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father and the Holy Spirit. That was the day of your sanctification, okay, by the Holy Spirit of God. And then what is the, the reason for obedience? Do you know that you were saved for obedience? For you to be obedient to God the Father, for you to be obedient to the, the nudging of the Holy Spirit, for you to be obedient to the commands of Jesus Christ. Right, You were saved, you were sanctified, you were elected for obedience, that you might obey his word, that you might obey his commands. I've quoted it before, I'll quote it again, because John chapter 15 is one of those like foundational in your walk as a Christian uh, chapters. Hey, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands. Right? Jesus said in another place, he said, hey, there are many in that day who will say, Lord, Lord. And Jesus will say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. It's not just about saying the name of Jesus Christ. You were elected. You were sanctified for obedience to God. Paul, in the epistle to the Romans, will literally say, should I, you know, should I sin that grace may abound? And he says, certainly not, exclamation point. He says, we who are dead to sin, how can we live any longer therein? Absolutely not. You were elected. You were chosen. You were sanctified and set apart for obedience. And not only that, but for the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. So now, uh, what do you have here? What's the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ? Well, that's redemption. That's redemption. That is the purchase price of your salvation, of your entrance into eternity, to, to walk into those pearly gates. Right? You don't need a special handshake with St. Peter. Right? You walk in, and if you have the sprinkling of the blood of the Lamb upon you, you go in. That's it. There's nothing else. There's nothing else that bars you. You, you don't have to like say a special prayer to Mary. You don't have to do anything else. You walk in, and you have been sprinkled in the blood of the Lamb, and you have entrance into the heaven. Right? That's it. And, and notice here, it, it, within this, you know, there's a lot of stuff here, but even just in this, you also have the Trinity. Right, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. See, see how many layers there are in this just couple verses? But see, that's all part of just, and this is just the introduction, but this is part of who we are as believers in Christ. We have been elected from before the foundations of the earth by God the Father's infinite knowledge and his foreknowledge. We have been set apart by the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in us, and we have been chosen for obedience and redemption by the Lord Jesus Christ. 
That's an awesome thing, isn't it? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity of God, the triune nature of God, all in unity have chosen you. Isn't that an incredible thing? It's not like God's arguing over himself. It's like, well, there's Jesse. What do you guys think? You know, I kind of like Jesse. Are you serious? Jesse? I don't know. It's like, no, 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 no. It's not like that at all. It's like God in his triune nature, all of them with a unanimous vote are like, yes, I want him. Father, I'm going to pour out my blood for him. The father's like, son, I'm going to send you and I'm going to crush you for him. And the Holy Spirit's like, hey, I'm game, man. I'm going to convict him of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And I'm going to show him how to walk for you. And I'm going to be his, his dunamis power in his walk. Right? The, the triune nature of God has all unanimously voted for you. Isn't that encouraging? Like you, you think of all the people, all the naysayers who said bad things about you in your life. I mean, if you just went back, if you had a flashback right now and you heard all the negative things in your entire life of everything that everybody said to you. And then if you stand in the presence of God, remember the sunshine, oh, the glory of it. And God said, I chose you. I died for you. And the Holy Spirit, not only that, I'm going to come live in you, right? You're going to be my house. We're going to be roommates, Right? What would that do to all of the other things that anybody has ever said to you in your entire life? Makes it nothing. Who cares? God is for you. Who can be against you? Amen? Well, I'm going to close with this. Grace to you. Charis. That's the Greek word. Grace. Undeserved, unmerited, you cannot purchase it. God's favor for you. It's he loves you. And it's that agape love that is the foundation of grace. What's agape love? Well, that's like a a mother loving a child. Now you think about the child, the baby, those of you who have had children, what the children offer. They scream in your ear, they keep you up at night, they poop, they pee, they demand everything. Right? And, And like they don't give anything. But why do you love them, moms? Why do you love them, dads? Because they are. That's it. That's it. And you know what? Why did God choose you? Why did he sanctify you? Why did he sprinkle you with the blood of his own son? Because of grace. Because you are. And that's enough. He loves you. No further explanation is necessary. And when you know that, when you know that and you have been sprinkled by the blood, you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, and you know that you have been chosen before the foundations of the earth, what does that mean? reap within your own soul peace you're at peace with god because the carnal mind it's at enmity with god so before you're saved before you uh before you submit yourself to the will of god you hate him because he tells you no he shows you that you're bad he says no 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 no, that's not right and so you you get angry at him it says that the 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 unredeemed mind that the carnal mind is at enmity with god enmity means deep-seated hatred but the moment that you submit yourself to the will of god you are no longer at enmity you are no longer an enemy of god but now you have become his servant and his son and you will have peace with god so this evening grace and peace to you all in jesus christ's name amen let's pray father we thank you so much uh, for this your 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 book first peter lord lord what an amazing introduction hi my name is and yet lord even within just the introduction 
Lord, there are so many incredible truths, a reality deeper and, and far more reaching than probably most of us think about on a regular basis. Lord, you are glorious. And we love you and we praise you, Lord. We thank you for choosing us. We thank you for filling us. We thank you for redeeming us, for purchasing us back from sin and death. And Lord, we will spend our lives drawing near to you, glorifying you. Lord, only help us, Lord, for our souls. Lord, our hearts are prone to wander. And yet it is our desire to draw near to you. Lord, please, please, Lord, call us. Command us, Lord, that we might obey. For we come in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Happy New Year. If you have any questions about the study or salvation or any of the topics that we talked about, um, I'm here. And I think there's, yeah, there's coffee and even water back there. Um, you're, w you're welcome to hang out for as long as you like. God bless you all.